0: deeper waters uh series and um the way we worship we're talking about the way we worship and this morning we're going to talk about the way we worship we must worship uh in spirit and truth and in truth amen Amen. uh john 4 21 and 24 says jesus said to her this is a conversation that's taking place between jesus uh and a samaritan woman a lot of you are familiar with this uh passage and after going back and forth uh in, in jesus uh and the woman, uh, she's kind of surprised because here's a Jew talking to a Samaritan. And, and if you know a little history, she, a Samaritan was uh, really not uh, looked upon with a lot of respect or any respect by the Jewish people. But the conversation is taking place and Jesus is kind of just finished telling her about the form of worship and where you worship and really, uh, understanding how to worship and, and, and stuff. And so in 21, Jesus says to her, woman, believe me. The hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. In the Greek it really says from or through the Jews or through the Jewish lineage. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers, key word, will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking, another key word, such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship and must worship in spirit and truth. A woman later on in that conversation goes on to uh, tell Jesus, you know, I know that the Messiah is coming. The scriptures have said this. Uh, he's going to be, he's called the Christ and he's going to come and tell us all these things that you just said. And Jesus looks back at a woman and says, woman, you know, uh, the person who's speaking to you right now, that's who you're speaking to. That's the Messiah in so many words. She goes back and tells her people, and they're, they're kind of, they're listening to her. And it, 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 at the end, if you read that scripture, it, it says that they, they also began to believe uh, what Jesus was talking about and who Jesus was. So in the New Testament, the way we worship, and worship in spirit and truth, the New Testament, God was not looking for a prescribed method of worship such as uh, was under the law of Moses. That was very ceremonial. Uh, uh, mem- you know, memorized, you can, you can go and, and do the same thing uh, in and out every week. Instead, uh, God was expecting it to be in spirit and in truth. And, and, and this happened, the spirit and truth worship happens when there was a, a, a knowledge or an understanding of who God is, number one. And it is facilitated through an experience, a personal experience, a revelation of his character and nature that when you combine the two, spirit and truth, worship takes place. Worship does matter to God, as we've been talking. In worship to God, it is important because to the Christian, it is a lifestyle. It is our identity to worship God. And understanding who we worship... And why we worship him is it's not only essential, but it's actually what God is seeking and looking for as we have read the scripture. Uh, there's a story about Howard Hughes, a famous tycoon. Uh, when he passed away, he, uh, his re- public relations officer decided to uh, pay homage to, the, to Howard Hughes and he sent the message uh, to all of the businesses that Howard Hughes owned. Uh, and, and with the message saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to take a day, a, a time in the day, on a specific day, we're gonna, we were all going to pause and give uh, a moment of silence for our late CEO uh, who, who just passed away. Well, a lot of the businesses, many of the businesses that Harry Hughes owned were casinos in Vegas. And, um, and, the, and, and the message goes out even to the casinos about this moment of silence that they were, that it was gonna, that they were going to observe. And... Um, I'm not at all endorsing you go visit a casino, but if anybody knows anything about casinos, you know that those casinos are loud, a lot of activities. Uh, somebody said that's the place where dreams go to die. Um, very true. Um, anyway, so the message goes forth. At the time it said, everyone's going to pay Harry Hughes a moment of silence. And if you can imagine uh, a casino that's always so loud and people have a different uh, focus All of a sudden, the the time comes, and and the story says that when everybody got real quiet, it was the most uncomfortable few seconds in those casinos. People are staring at each other anxiously, nervous, clutching to their money, their chips, whatever, right, until a dealer breaks the silence, leans forward to his table and says, okay, roll the dice. He's had his moment, right? And then the casino goes on. to do their own business. And I, I think we can concede uh, in, you know, I, more of a question, but I think we, we know that it's obvious that I think that there's some folks in churches uh, all around uh, on Sundays that give God the same treatment. They're sitting through service nervously, clutching their keys. They come to service looking at their phones. They come to service. Uh, they get to service with leaving on their mind, as Brother Jeff Arnold uh, says it so, so well. And, and, and they're just, they're, they're giving God their, his moment, and then they're gone. And God is an afterthought until the following service or the following Sunday or Easter or Christmas, whenever it is that they decide to attend service. So it, it, we give them the same treatment. And, and I think there's two reasons for that nonchalant treatment of worship in God. Number one is because truth or an understanding of who he is doesn't exist in that worshiper. Uh, they, they, there is no knowledge of who they're, who they're passing or, or paying homage to, a full understanding. And number two is that, which usually is a result of the lack of number one, truth or understanding, is that their heart, their emotions, it, their, their, their minds, their hearts are not anchored on what God has done and continues to do for them. Amen? There's this spiritual connection gap in the worshiper. Who comes and just gives God his quick moment and leaves because they have something else to do. In the passages that we read, uh, Jesus says he's having this conversation with the Samaritan woman and, and um, he reveals some very important things that we have to pay attention. in his conversation with the woman, he, one of the things that we should notice is this that God is seeking true worshipers. He is seeking true worshipers. I don't know if you, if you have that one slide, but he, he is seeking, he, th- 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 worship, true worshipers are wanted. The Bible says that He created the world for His glory. And those uh, whom He saves and those who come to the salvation that He has offered for us, there is an expectation that God has of us, and that is to worship Him in truth, to worship Him in spirit, not just on Sundays. And not just on Wednesdays or do your your ceremonial two, three times a year. But because I find it hard to believe that you can worship God in spirit and truth on Sunday and Wednesday if you're not doing it on Monday, Tuesday, Thursdays, and Fridays. And he's seeking for these worshipers. And the fact that there are true worshipers to me quickly indicates the fact that that they also are false worshipers, according to Scripture. False worship hits the mark by either worshiping something other than God, right? We were created to worship, and if it's not going to be God, we're going to worship something else. Or by attempting to worship the true God, but do it in ways that dishonor him. Uh, And sincerity is not the only requirement for true worship. There are very sincere worshipers in the world today. Uh, But not all sincere worshipers are true worshipers. Examples uh, will be uh, those who, who worship uh, a God that they call Allah. We, we, we have worship, you, I'm talking about sincere worshipers, but not necessarily true worshipers. Allah, you, 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 we talk about those who, who are striving to be like Krishna and Buddha, and even within Christianity, using my air quotes, there are those who worship a God from a different book, for example. Or or, or they've written their own versions. Or or, or they've somehow begun to describe God in a way that just changes who he is. His nature. And and they've embraced this new theology that God perhaps is just not one. Amen? So, devout, sincere worshipers. And And I argue sincerely wrong. According to what God expects according to the scriptures that a lot of us here know. Because they they're not worshiping God in truth. They're not worshiping the one and only living true God that the scriptures reveal to us. They're not worshiping the God who has revealed himself in the Bible that says, I am the way. I am the truth. Amen? And, and so they're sincerely wrong. And in this Bible, there's an explicit direction of who true worshipers are. God is not a God of confusion. So if God is seeking for true worshipers, it's important for us to make it our top priority to be true worshipers of God in spirit and in truth. And there are three musts that I think John speaks about. In the Gospel of John, there are three musts. And we're talking about one of the musts, right? You must worship him in spirit and truth in John chapter 4, 24. But John 3, 7 says that we must what? Be born again. Of the water and of the spirit. Right? Which it's in concert very well with what we're talking about. I must be born of the water and of the spirit. And then he begins to explain what being born of the spirit is all about. And, 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 and it's part of you becoming a true worshiper of God. The second must that John talks about in, in the Gospel of John is that we, uh, Jesus, it says in John 13, uh, 3, 3, uh, 14 and 15, that the son of man must be lifted up. Jesus is our, whole, our only focus of our salvation. Without the cross, there is no redemption of our sins. And then the third must that we are currently talking about today. To worship God in spirit. Why? Because he is spirit. There has to be an understanding that God is spirit. Not a spirit, but he is spirit. Not a type of spirit. He is spirit. If you can t- think about colors, he he's not a type of black color. He is blackness. He is spirit. That is his very nature. Amen. He he is spirit. Nothing contains him. There's no material things that can contain his very nature as spirit. His omnipresence is it's existing because of his very nature of God. That spirit. And because he is, omni, uh, his, he is omnipresent, we can worship him anywhere and everywhere. And, he, and, and with the assurance that he is there. That's, the, that's what Jesus and the uh, Samaritan woman having a conversation about. Because she argues that and the Samaritans thought that God's center of gravity was in Mount Garrison. And, and, the, and the rest of the Jews were down in Jerusalem. And, and Jesus is saying, the time is coming where once you get that understanding and the revelation, you're going to know that wherever you begin to worship, God's going to be there he's there so he, he talks to a woman about this and he says that it has to be in spirit and in truth to worship in spirit it, having been filled with God's spirit and becoming a child of God there's a connection that begins to take place that, that you make there's an intimacy between the worshiper and God a heart mind and soul that are expressing praise unto him and these moments sometimes reach levels with God, that there is an interaction that takes place where even God's Spirit begins to ed- edify you. And his gifts, the gifts of the Spirit begin to be manifested through the worshiper. It's, an emo- it's emotional in a sense that you are all in. In praise to God in worship, in your worship. Burning a candle, acts of superstition, traditional ceremonies, and you know, doing the calisthenics. In, in theology world, we call that call that High church. Right, where it, same thing, you can do it while you're sleeping. It's just wherever you go, you know they're going to do the same thing. That, that's not emotional. That, that, that's, that's not you being 100% in when it comes to worship. It doesn't fall into that category. But when there is a revelation of who he is, you worship him in spirit, which leads us to worship him all out. Nothing holds you back because you understand who he is. You understand what he's doing for you in your life. You understand what he has brought you from. Nothing can contain your excitement, your appreciation for this God that you're worshiping. Amen? Amen. So we worship him. We, we should worship. We must worship him in truth. Jesus is the revelation of the Father, the Bible says. Hebrews 1 and 3 Says he he is the express image of his person. Do you have that slide? No? There. The express image. You imagine a flashlight being God, and he begins to shine who he is on, on something, and that's what you see. You see Jesus. Image of his person. And, and I keep emphasizing the person because the scripture is specific about one person. He He's not the express image of one of three or the express image of his persons, but one. The word in the John 1 says that in the beginning was the word and the word was God, right? And if you keep reading down, it says that the word became flesh. In John 5, 18, it says that the Jews were seeking to kill Jesus. Why? Because he was making himself equal with God. They were having a hard time understanding this concept. Truth was evading them in their worship to, of God. And they had God in front of them declaring, if you keep reading, you know, he says, hey, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I, my Father, are one, John chapter 10 and 30. See, truth departs the worshiper when they begin to confuse the nature of God and and the fact that he is just, he is one God. And and the most difficult thing for the strict monotheistic Jew uh, or the the Jewish theologian uh, to get over was the notion that, that, that God can be nothing but one. And so, so in, the, in the early centuries when, when quote-unquote Christians begin to try to explain the nature of God because they're having an argument with other philosophers who are not Christians and they're using philosophical language and begin to speak about God in terms of a plurality. And they begin to introduce and begin to separate God as okay. There's 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 a the Father and then there's 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 another part here, the Son. And, and they begin to try to explain that he, you know, these three are co-equal and co-powerful, and they will share glory together because they're united. And 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 the, to the strict theologian, monotheistic theologian, that began to close the door and say, wait a minute, I I I can't grasp my head about the fact that all. In, Growing up, in all the scripture, Old Testament, God emphasized the fact that Shema, Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord of God is one Lord. You read the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is littered with, with God talking through the, prof, through the prophets of the fact of the one thing, that he is one. Isaiah says that God is one. He is alone. He is one. By himself, very, very, very specific of the fact of who he is. I'm talking about worshiping him in truth. To the Jews, the Shema was ingrained in everything they view about God. So when Christians begin to explain to the Jew about this, who, who Jesus is and, and, who, and who, it, it, who God is, and, and they begin to bring in these persons, it turns them off. See, you hear very sincere people in this conversation, even with the Samaritan woman and Jesus, saying, oh, you know, the Samaritan woman, she was just so confused about the mystery. You know, the mystery. And then he goes, oh, there's the mystery, you know, and and this this triune God and the three and one. Jesus just wasn't, she was so confused about the mystery. And, 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 you know, Paul talks about this mystery in 1 Timothy 3.16. He says, great is the mystery of what? Godliness. But then Paul begins to explain the mystery. He didn't didn't keep the mystery hidden because God gives you the revelation of who God is. And he goes on to explain that God was manifest in the flesh. I don't know if you have that other slide uh, with uh, 1 Timothy 3.16. But God was manifest in the flesh. I found this old slide from about 20 years ago when I taught a Bible study on the oneness of God. And it it, it just, it, it explained there's this great mystery of Of God is that a God, when he decided to to reveal himself, he reveals himself in Jesus Christ. And it paints a good picture of God's revelation. It was God in Christ that he was reconciling the world unto whom? Himself. I I don't hear anybody else besides one person in that reconciliation. Himself. God, see, God has revealed Himself to us in the Word of Truth, and Jesus is the Word of Truth, according to John. We, to worship God in truth means we worship Him in obedience to full submission. Right? Okay, we understand who God is. God is one. We understand it. that's truth. But truth also means that we worship in His in Him because of His Word and, and as obedient children of God. We worship, understanding that He is not just God; He is our our Lord, and a Lord pretty much has. dominion over its subjects. God whatever you say I am going to obey and do. That's worship him in truth. We worship him in truth about our decisions and our activities. We worship him in truth holistically. We build our whole lives around the word of God. That's worship in truth. Everything and it's easy to uh, to worship God in spirit and in truth when we have an understanding of who God is. When we begin to connect to this understanding, this truth, and all all of a sudden we are intimately involved and connected to our worship. And now we worship him in spirit. Amen. It's easy. Children of God, gracious children, we begin to worship him with everything in us. And where there is worship in spirit and truth, there is a different environment that takes place. You're going to know the difference when you go to a place where worship in spirit and truth is taking place. Because God's presence is there. There's a feeling that you just haven't felt before. That you just don't fully understand. But you know there's something going on in that place. Amen. Stand with me as I close. The way we worship must be done in spirit and in truth. We have to make it our priority to become that true worshiper that Jesus seeks with full understanding and knowledge. And it is God that gives you that revelation, that understanding, the truth, so that you can have that intimate, spiritual connection with Him. So why don't we make that our priority today? Amen? Join me by lifting our hands unto God, the one true God. Worship Him in the truth and the understanding that you have of Him. God, we give you praise. Lord, we are are all in for you, God, because you gave yourself completely for our salvation and we understand that God we want to be connected Lord we don't want to just stay here Lord and 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 hope for the moment to pass by quickly but we want to give everything to you all of ourselves God hallelujah in Jesus name let us continue to worship